Hello everyone and welcome back to Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley Herford, and today I'm joined by two guests, both of whom studied abroad in the spring of 2022. The first is Matt Hellman, he studied abroad in Norwich, and the second is Eliza Smith, who studied abroad in Rome. So to start us off, would you guys like to give just your normal Notre Dame introduction? Um, Eliza, you can start us off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hi, everyone. As Ansley said, my name is Eliza. I am a senior here at Notre Dame studying psychology and global affairs with a concentration in peace studies. I have minors in Italian and CDT. Um, I live in Johnson Family Hall, but I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. And as she said, I studied abroad in Rome, Italy in spring 2022. And then this past summer, I also studied abroad in South Africa. And I'm really excited to be joined here with my friend, Matt. And on that note, hi, everyone. My name is Matt. Um, I am also a senior here at the University of Notre Dame, studying neuroscience and behavior and gender studies with a minor in computing and digital technologies. It's the CDT that Eliza referenced. Um, I live off campus now, but I used to live in Siegfried Hall. Um, I am originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I studied abroad in Norwich in the UK this past spring, like Ainsley said. Happy to be here. Yay, happy to have you guys here um, to start the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about this new initiative with Notre Dame International and how the conversation about the identity panels began? Absolutely. I would love to get us started. So um, it actually had a really fun start. Matt and I are both department members of the student government's executive department of LGBTQ plus advocacy. And we were working and collaborating on a separate project called Study Abroad Guide, which will be coming soon in the spring of 2023. And we were just trying to figure out ways in which we could better integrate Notre Dame International into student gov gov affairs, since we would probably be working with them in the future. And Matt and I both are storytellers, and we knew Study Abroad Week is a huge campaign for all things Notre Dame International. And we thought it'd be a great way to integrate student gov and um, in Notre Dame International, and then bring perspectives of study abroad experiences for marginalized communities like race and ethnicity minorities, as well as LGBTQ individuals. Yeah, it basically just started at a meeting, and we were like, oh, it would be great if there was a panel about this. And then we like looked at each other and we were like, huh, we should start a panel <laughs> about this. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically we reached out to Brigida, who we already knew through the Study Abroad Storytellers program. Brigida was also my uh, advisor while I was abroad because she's in charge of all the UK programs except for Oxford. Um, so I also already knew her through that. And it just kind of happened. Um, we we're, were really, really lucky that NDI, Rikita, and some of the other uh, members who are involved in the, uh, ND, the NDI Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Working Group, um, as they call themselves now. Um, and like they were really, really receptive to this idea. They, were, they thought it was a great idea. They helped us get it together really, really quickly, which is really, really awesome. Demonstrates their commitment towards really 
but fo really fostering the relationship with student government um, and also really focusing in on ways that they can support uh, perspective and upcoming students from the LGBTQ community and from different racial and ethnic backgrounds uh, as they prepare to go abroad. Yeah. yeah, so when we first met, um, it was actually really exciting because it we, Matt and I, were really pumped about this initiative. Like, I wish you could have been in the original meeting. Matt and I were just going <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. We immediately started texting each other and emailing back and forth. And eventually it all worked out where Brigitte was like, yes, let's do it. I got you guys a room. Let's start talking about it. And once we actually started talking to them in person, we realized that NDI and StudentGov had some of the exact same concerns and wanted to work on initiative just like this, wanted to work on study abroad guides, wanted to incorporate students more into the perspectives, but also just in access to certain resources that they don't know exist and creation of new resources and how to be a better mentor to prospective and incoming study abroad students. And once we realized we were on the same page, we kind of hit the ground running. And we, we started off originally, as I mentioned, with focusing on two main panels, racial and ethnic minorities, and then LGBTQ plus individuals. We thought those two are, um, not any more important than any other certain demographic here on campus that re requires special attention when it comes to study abroad. But we felt like it would be the easiest to get people excited for these panels and mm -hmm. um, get the ball rolling so that in the next year, even though Matt and I are graduating, we hope that um, NDI and student gov in the future will expand these panels to include um, disabled communities, um, include first-gen students, um, low-income students, and have panels specifically tied to their experiences so that every student um, on this campus knows that they have the ability to go abroad, have the resources that will support them, and that they deserve to have any of the same opportunities any other student on campus has. That is awesome. That was super well said, guys. And yeah, I kind of wish I was in that meeting, too. Obviously, y'all are very passionate about it. And to have seen it in its beginnings would have been awesome. But super excited to see how it's kind of developed since then. Um, so talking about Study Abroad Week and how that's a big initiative and including the identity panels in it, can you tell me kind of what you spoke about? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I was the... We, we kind of worked together on both of them, but I was the facilitator uh, slash moderator for the LGBTQ experiences panel. Um, we had uh, a lot of really, uh, really great representation, people from lots of different programs. I think off the top of my head, we had someone from Angers, France, someone from Seoul, South Korea, someone from Rabat, Morocco, someone from uh, Israel-Palestine, the Jerusalem Summer Program, and someone who was in Rome in the in the spring. Um, and that was like, like it was lots of diverse perspectives mm -hmm. from different experiences in different places. Um, I'd say in terms of just like so, kind of summarizing what people talked about, I think one common theme that people continually touched on slash brought up over and over again was this idea of reading the context of the program you're in and doing your research beforehand so you can understand what to expect culturally. Uh, that's a, and like the 
fitting in and assimilating a little bit into the cultural setting is really important, um, especially when you're uh, part of the LGBTQ community because there are a lot of differences, cult like depending on the geographical location and the cultural setting that you're in, in mm -hmm. terms of acceptance of people being outwardly expressive of their queer identities. Sometimes you have to kind of fit your queer identity into a different model for queer identities. Um, every program is different. Every place is different. Every group of people is different. And I think you have to kind of think about what you want out of the experience that you're looking for in terms of like how expressive of your queer identity you want to be abroad. Um, and you have to kind of find programs that through your research and through talking to people who have been before and with the advisors and such, talking with people about uh, what uh, programs would fit your comfort level, your expectations, um, and then using that to inform your ultimate decision, uh, I think is that was a theme that continually came up over and over again. Um, I think another one that came up was kind of this idea of like, uh, understanding your preconceptions about what, how queer friendly a place is going to be and kind of uh, challenging yourself and challenging your biases that you kind of bring into the experience while you're there. Uh, I you know someone really like, at least I know one, at least one person really spoke about how they had preconceptions. They were in a country uh, that was um, a Muslim majority and they were very nervous about going into that space and kind of being a queer person uh, and like expressing their identity in different ways. And they found that a lot of their preconceptions about how uh, quote unquote restrictive or like how, um, how much uh, prejudice there might be in that community was like really, really unfounded and was very just shaped by some of the prejudices that's maybe like we like we have been taught to internalize as queer people of different parts of the world at least like queer people living and going to school in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah like that I think like just challenging your biases uh, in different ways and understanding that like none of these places are a monolith and like uh, you can find queer friendly spaces wherever you go uh, but also just like uh, doing your research, reading the room, kind of understanding when you're going to need to maybe like regulate your behavior and your self-expression a little bit more. Uh, I think that is, like those were the two big themes that I identified a lot during the LGBTQ identity panel. I have to absolutely agree uh, with Matt, with the resounding and continual narrative that we heard about um, being able to like research their communities that they were about to integrate themselves in was a huge step in their comfort level when they finally arrived there already having some expectations while also managing said expectations was a big thing that we saw in both panels um as matt mentioned i moderated the race and ethnic minorities panel which was really exciting for me to finally that was like my first time talking to students um who are from similar communities as me and about their experiences going abroad one of the really interesting things that i saw or i guess heard from our panelists was a lot of us we were the only 
visible minority in our group going abroad in our certain locations. So we had people all across the globe on our panel, just like we had with LGBTQ panel. We had people from Rome, not including me. Uh, we had people who went to Mexico. We had people who went to London. And it was really refreshing to hear that some of the experiences I had while abroad, other people experienced, but it was really awesome to hear that they didn't let any potentially not so positive experiences that came as a result of their um, outward identity affected their experience abroad. Every single one of them said that they would go abroad again and they implored people to go abroad. They also implored people to potentially go to that place that you've always wanted to dream but thought you couldn't because of the way you identify. Um, above all else, we always emphasize safety. But the, the fact of the matter is Notre Dame has so many resources in place and uh, educational resources in place to make sure that they're sending you to safe locations and put you in safe um, situations. A lot of the panelists also talked about um, their living environments and how that shaped their study abroad experience going into a place where not only were they a minority, but they were a minority in a foreign country and a lot of them in a place that didn't even speak their language. Um, and how they had to brace themselves for that. But once they got there, they, they realized it was just like almost any other day. Um, we had, of course, like some hard conversations about the fact that like um, when you are visually diverse and you can tell that a person is not from the majority population, there might be the potential possibility that you experience uh, racism and um, xenophobia or um any sort of discrimination on the bias of your um on the basis of your identity and that was like it's always a hard pill to swallow but those situations happen anywhere and mm -hmm. they can happen here at Notre Dame they can happen going to Target and Mishawaka they can happen going abroad and we all agree that that shouldn't be a barrier for someone to go abroad and what Notre Dame International really um, wanted to know was how to best support students if something like that happens what kinds of things can they do to um, provide the resources and provide a safe place for those students um, to prevent those occurrences from happening. And if they do happen, help stop them from happening again as much as they can within their power. And lastly, the thing I'll touch on about the panels that really like I think touched my heart was how many students took their abroad experience and made it their own in the sense of finding like not just finding a safe space, a lot of them made a safe space. They made a new friend group from people around the world that were living in their apartments or they joined a club they had never thought of joining at Notre Dame, but joined it at their host institution. So many of them repeated such various different stories of the same, uh, even the same country. And they had a vastly different experience and perspective of the event. All, thankfully, overwhelmingly was positive, but like <laughs> finding a safe space or creating a safe space is not just like feasible, it is welcomed, encouraged, and so easy to do. So I really implore um, future and um, incoming study abroad students to like, if you don't find a safe space, make one. It's that easy. Well, the panel sound like huge successes and it's great to hear these people having like positive experiences despite difficulties that they may have experienced.
just for both of you, once again, another question. What led you to choose to continue speaking about your own experiences studying abroad after turning back to Notre Dame? I had a really great time when I was abroad. And I think that one of the main reasons why I had such a good time is because I was able to establish a really good work-life balance while I was abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and like part of that was because I was at, at the British University on the British school system where like university is structured very differently. I had less in-person, like less class time and more independent learning time. So I was able to like build that mess schedule around my needs in addition to my classes. Um, and I was able to get as much sleep as I needed. I was able to work out as much as I wanted to. I was able to go out and like go and like go to bars and clubs and stuff as much as I wanted to. Um, and I think that because of that, uh, coming back to Notre Dame has been like a bit of a, a, a shock just <laughs> in terms of like the lifestyle change is just very different. Uh, things are a lot more intense here. I have to spend a lot more time on my classes, which is like good and bad. It's not like there's not like a it's not like a either or one's much better than the other. It's mm-hmm. just that like it, like I want to continue speaking about my experiences abroad because it's kind of helping me process this transition of reverse kind of this reverse culture shock on a university level. Um, as I like kind of like fit back into the spaces at Notre Dame that I was a part of before I left. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, going off of that, um, Matt, I think for me, when I came back to Notre Dame, I and honestly, when I came back to the States in general, because um, I was gone for a total of six months, including my summer program. And so half the year, not anywhere close to being home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely faced some serious reverse culture shock. Um, I didn't face culture culture shock uh, going into Europe, going into Italy, um, partially because I had researched it. I'm a global affairs major. We talk about international countries all the time. And I had been a- abroad in the past. So I had like some idea of what I was getting myself into. But when I came back, I was not prepared for um a lot of the feelings I started to like have when I came back, um, it was really hard for me to adjust to partially like the American lifestyle in the sense of like the go, go, go attitude, because I'll definitely agree with Matt. There is a difference in the work-life balance in the way, the difference in societies of how they prioritize, what they prioritize in their lives. Um, and I think once you get used to that and then you come back and it's so different and to weigh in a sense of that it might be more strenuous returning, it can be really hard for a person. And um, once I finally came back in Notre Dame, so many people asked me, um, how was study abroad, of course? Like, how was Rome? And like, I'm always like, oh, it was amazing. It's like, I always say and like it, I almost like picture myself back there and I, I hate I hate 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 when people are like oh my god study abroad changed me but <laughs> in some ways I, I definitely think it does um like for me I I definitely started prioritizing a work-life balance way more than I did in the past um I started prioritizing like social events like going out and like talking to people um believe it or not that was not a big priority for me in my first few years at Notre Dame and there are things that going to a different culture no matter where it is 
it will impact you in some way if you allow it to. And I really have now pushed so many people to really consider study abroad who haven't in the past, because I'm like, I think it's just a great personal development sphere. And especially when it comes to like, I, I work with a lot of minority groups. I work with MSPS and Building Bridges. Um, I work with my hall council as senior fellow. And I'm constantly engaging with these different communities of various demographics. And what I've noticed is a lot of people are unfortunately not aware of some of the resources, despite things like study abroad week, where they tell you it's possible. The amount of times I've had to tell people there's funding outside of just financial aid, or just telling them the simple fact that financial aid follows you. Mm -hmm. And that make your own experience. If you don't see a program that Notre Dame offers, but you know you want to go somewhere or research something, NDI will make it happen because they they also realize the impact that going abroad can have. And so I think I just want to continue that excitement for other people, especially because we're coming off of um, Matt and I are like the only class in the past what two and a half years two yeah years? so the past like the past two classes um but kind of like a class and a half because like the class two years before us the people in the fall were getting able mm-hmm. to get a full semester abroad and it's like we are kind of like the only advocates for it and um i know i'm sure the percentage of like participation went down this past like year and i just want the excitement to come back because i remember when i applied to notre dame how excited they were to tell me about study abroad and how many people loved it like you cannot escape like talking about going abroad so i think it's both the excitement of like being in a new place but also i do believe that there is um, personal development when you put yourself in a vastly different culture from your own, there's no way to escape that. And then as long as you're willing um, to do it, you can take so much, you can develop so much more and experience so much more than you think is possible. And then you'll love going abroad just as much as I did. I think that's something you both have touched on like multiple times today is like researching and just knowing that, Notre Dame International wants to make it happen for you which is a, that's a very nice sentiment it's it's not bad at all and I also want to thank you both for talking about like the reverse culture shock because that is something I don't think people really discuss at all like you said Eliza when someone asks how was abroad and you go it was amazing you take the big breath but there's not a lot of follow-up questions about how was it coming home so I'm glad that you guys are expanding that conversation yeah I think like this like one final note on that too like uh I think that a lot of people by the end, at least in my program in Norwich, we had 15 people from Notre Dame and like, it's a large enough group that we kind of like, by the end of the semester, there were some people who were like, oh, I'm like, this was really great. I had a great time, but I'm ready to go back to the States. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there were some people who were like, I could live here. And I was (laughs) in the ladder. I chose, that's why I, like, actually I chose to stay. I had housing through the end of June. So I chose to stay an extra month in Norwich, which was really nice. Um, But yeah, like, the reverse culture shock, like, I think like, at the beginning of senior year, some people kind of are like, like, they'll be asked how my senior year is going. And they expect me to be like, oh, my God, it's so fun. Like, <laughs> and it's, it, is, it has been really fun. And it's been really great. But like, it's been also simultaneously at points of really challenging experience, just because in part, one of many reasons, in part, because I have had to radically shift my work life balance. 
back mm-hmm. in Notre Dame standard. So yeah, I mean, I think that's it's definitely a big thing to consider. Um, and I'm glad that we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, you guys have talked a lot about this already, but just in case you had any other thoughts on it, what do you think for all of the prospective study abroad students, especially the sophomores who are applying right now, what do you think they should consider when they're planning for their semester abroad? I think I it, it's not something to consider. It's more of advice. I really implore people to like scroll all the way through all the programs on the study abroad website <laughs> because there are some small ones that like have really cool opportunities um, that not a lot of people go to. So they therefore they can do really expensive or really unique experiences because it's a smaller group. And once again, most of those excursions are paid for by the university since they're university sponsored. I think one of the greatest examples is uh, Pueblo, Mexico. I regret, I I partially regret not making time (laughs) to do that program. It was, I was this close to doing that program over Rome, but um, I know some friends who did it and they loved it. And they're like, they loved having the smaller group. They were able to like create a bunch of Notre Dame students that they don't normally engage with while also being able to experience the whole country to really the fullest by engaging with various communities because they were able to take so many excursions having a smaller group. So I think I would just implore um, applicants to really Really don't just look at Rome, Dublin, London. Um, Although those are amazing programs. I mean, obviously I went to one of them. I think it's really worth the time to at least spend an hour looking at the programs that have a lower applicant pool because you might find a really interesting opportunity that you never thought would be possible. And you might see a specific research opportunity or internship opportunity. Like I interned in Rome and I'm really grateful for it, but I had a large applicant pool that I was uh, like going against versus some people, it's literally ingrained ingrained into the program that you have an internship with them. So it's a guaranteed solution if that's something that you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's, I second everything that Eliza said. Um, and I'm actually, I'll add on a little bit about the smaller program. Um, I was actually originally supposed to go to Perth, Australia um, but that program was canceled due to some COVID-related complications. Um, so I uh, was provided a list of programs that I could shift into, and one of them was Norwich in the UK. And I, that's the one that I chose. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. Like, definitely we'll go back to Australia at some point, uh, or we'll go to Australia at some point. But, like, I was more than satisfied with my experience. And I think, like, Norwich is one of those smaller programs that I think generally gets um, neglected a little bit. It's kind of a overshadowed by its uh, two-hour train ride south neighbor, London. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It kind of gets overshadowed a little bit because of the London program. Um, And like, especially because like the London ones run through NDI and the um and the Notre Dame Global Gateway and the Norwich one is like it's an exchange program. So you're at a you're just at a completely different institution. Um and I think like they again like I totally second everything Elijah said about looking at those smaller programs because there's a, I think there's a lot of value to going into a full exchange program. Uh, It really intentionally positions you outside of the Notre Dame bubble during your experience. And you can build a lot of uh, connections and experience a lot of immersion that I think is not experienced in the same way when you go to a Notre Dame Google gateway and one of the popular programs. Um, So, and I think that, like there's a few of those uh, in a bunch of different places around the world. 
And I definitely would consider people to look at those and look into those. Um, and I think that, uh, especially like if you're looking at London or Dublin, like consider consider Norwich, consider St. Andrews, consider some of these, uh, uh, consider Galway, consider some of these smaller programs that are in the UK and Ireland uh, um, and that will arguably give you a more immersive experience uh, if you're on the wait list or something like i mean i'm not trying to pit the programs against each other but there's like a lot of value to those programs that maybe you can't even find in those larger programs um and i think like the one other thing i'll add is just uh um in terms of like ex immersion as well like I think when you go to certain places, especially places where it's very easy to springboard to a bunch of other countries and into a bunch of other cultures, case in point, London and Dublin, um, I think that sometimes people don't invest the time and energy and the resources into like staying and experiencing mm -hmm. the city and experiencing the country that you're in. Um, I think like with the UK, especially because like, um, it's so large and like because London is such an international city and like it's so easy to go anywhere in Europe um people sometimes just don't travel within the country um I know that this, this is the case for like a bunch of different countries all around the world um depending on the program um and I think like I'm very glad that I was able to go and experience like a bunch of different cities and locations and communities in the UK um like I traveled a lot in country and out of country. And that was one of the nice things about the Norwich program is I was able to actually do both. Um, and it was like financially feasible for me, um, even though I was balling on a budget. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think like definitely like consider different ways that you can really prioritize immersing yourself in your city abroad location, as opposed to simply using it as a springing off point to go travel a bunch. Um, not trying to hard sell Norwich, but like part of the reason you can also travel a bunch is because you got a month long spring break. So I think like definitely like this is this is stuff like I know this is what I'm saying. This is what, what? I'm saying. That's this awesome. is like the stuff that they this is the stuff they don't tell you unless like you really look for it. Like there's there's a lot of aspects of some of these other programs which appeal a lot to the people who are going to places like London and Dublin so that they can travel a bunch. Um and so don't be afraid like if you don't get into the, like some of those more competitive programs and they kind of like give you a list, they try to give you a list of programs that you can shift into, don't be afraid to actually consider those options instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to take my chances on the wait list. Because um, I, so like we had 15 people in my spring cohort in Norwich. I think three of us applied originally and the other 12 all were shifted over from other wait lists and, or were uh, in programs that were canceled for COVID related reasons and every single one of us had an absolute and everyone was able to travel as much as they wanted to everyone stayed in Norwich like half the time anyways and like just like vibed and experienced the city and hung out with all of our British friends and stuff <laughs> and it was just it was just like the best of both worlds and you can get that in a lot of different places depending on where you go you just got to look for it um and you can get those in London too. No, I feel like I feel like I'm poo-pooing London. <laughs> like I, London is a fabulous program. So 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 many amazing opportunities. Um, but definitely look beyond it. Like like look beyond it when you're thinking about your decisions. Um, really, like there are so many amazing opportunities that NDI has worked to create and establish for Notre Dame students. And I think like at least giving them all a decent shake is 
definitely I, the best piece of advice that I, I can give someone who's uh, considering applying for studying abroad. And just to wrap up this question, I think what um, one of the other main takeaways you can take um, you can have from this conversation is reaching out to those um, Notre Dame international resources, just like emailing anyone within NDI will get you to the right person. But if you just email one of the program directors and saying, hey, I'm considering going abroad, but I really wanna emphasize internships or research, or I really wanna um, live in a, with a host family, because that is a really great immersive experience that you can have. If you go in more with what experience you want abroad instead of going first in like, oh, I wanna go to this place. Um, because it's a cool place like um, I think you'll be able to find really amazing opportunities all around the globe and you'll you might surprise yourself where you end up like I mean depending on um, what kind of experience you wanted you could have gone in Italy alone there's like three different uh, programs in Rome and then there's a separate uh, program in Bologna which is about an hour long train ride and you're able to like be in a complete uh, immersive experience with them compared to the RUP program where you're with an English institution living with American, um, potentially American students. Um, so I definitely think when you're looking for the next big life decision, which I do think study abroad is a pretty big decision because um, it can be scary, but it's so worth it, is think about how, what experiences do you wanna have abroad and then the location will come around. This was this was the best answers I could have even asked for to that question. You guys gave a really good information today and also things that people don't talk about, which is all about what this podcast is about. The Nor the Norwich application number is about to skyrocket after people listen to this. I hope so. I hope I'm so. about to apply and I'm leaving. <laughs> I also think staying in country is super underrated i was once in new york city and there was a billboard and it was like if you ate out every single meal it would take you still like 75 years to eat at every restaurant in new york city or wow. something like that it was a grubhub ad i'm not remembering the exact numbers but it was insane it was like if you ate out every single meal you wouldn't even hit probably a super awesome restaurant that's like really big for a certain neighborhood and i think it's little things like that that you can overlook Speaking from no experience abroad, but it's something that I'm trying to implement into my philosophy going forward. Absolutely. Like, I think there, um, we both, um, since we were both in Europe, Matt and I both had an experience of our, a lot of our program uh, members going um, out of our, like, host country. Um, and I, I stayed in Italy a lot. Like, I went to a couple of the um, Italian cities, like Florence, um going uh Catania etc but like I also spent a fair number of weekends in Rome and I still want to go back because I can still name places that I didn't make I wasn't able to get to mm -hmm. it's just like those places there's so much there like you literally could not leave Rome and you probably would still have places you'd be at the end of the semester being like dang I didn't go there and I really wanted to so yes big proponent for um it inner travel or just no traveling at all just like grazing about mm -hmm. and it's better for the budget so it's mm -hmm. like when when <laughs> and you get to experience the weekend life which i think 
is one of the greatest parts, especially with what you guys were talking about with work-life balance, getting able to experience it where you're going to be spending the whole semester. Okay. Well, that's about all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you guys so much again for recording this episode, sharing your stories and encouraging other people to share them here on campus as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Study Abroad, the official Notre Dame Study Abroad podcast. Check back in in two weeks for our next episode. And until then, stay updated on our social media accounts, especially Instagram at ND International.